right, welcome into a, this is a special edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling. We're live. On location. On, on location. It, normally when you say on location, it's somewhere better than Indianapolis. <laughs> and I love Indianapolis. I do too. This is not a personal rip on Indianapolis, but usually on location involves like palm trees, at least, maybe a different country, maybe a kangaroo. Big body of water. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> but we're in Indianapolis where there's snow and dudes in shorts and all that stuff. But it is the Combine, and there is a, as you might know, Jay, anybody talking about anything involving the Bengals? Are they, have they been a topic of conversation at all? A little bit. Just a <laughs> little <laughs> erroneous topic of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got a lot to get to, um, most notably the uh, – the very the public I, I i like the idea of it being the public engagement it was like the bengals sort of sent out save the dates to the other 31 nfl teams <laughs> of their their intent to marry joe burrow on april 23rd um i don't know if everyone has to give them a gift or not but uh i think that was kind of what uh tuesday ended up being so we want to talk all about everything surrounding joe burrow uh what he said what the bengals said and what that all means uh, we've got a lot to get to there. I want to get to audio of, of Duke's Sunday at Guardian Angels Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best quotes I've heard in a long time. It really is. It really was. Uh, so I want to get to that and, and sort of the underlying thing beneath that that I actually think is really interesting. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, we, you know, we've been talking to a lot of people around here. Obviously, we're going to talk about some draft stuff. Um, receiver is a, a popular topic here this week. It seems to fit the Bengals in a specific spot. So I want to talk about what that specific spot is and who that might be. You've been doing a lot of work on linebackers. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about who those guys are, what that, what the Bengals are looking for there and what that could look like. Um, we, we want to talk about the QB dominoes, what, what, what people are saying about Andy Dalton. Uh, there's just, there's just a lot. But we got to start at number one, right? Where else do you start? <laughs> Where else do you start but number one? <laughs> you know, everyone came into de- to Tuesday knowing that Tuesday was going to be a massive day for Joe Burrow and the Bengals yeah. to figure out where all of this stands. Where is everything at? And, you know, I don't think it could have been any clearer than it was, I got my spot right in front. Right in front. I worked hard for my spot. What time did you post up? He, he was supposed to talk at 9. What so time? at 8.15, I was over there standing in the area while the tight ends, there was two tight ends at podium three because the tight ends were going from between 8 mm-hmm. and 9. So I listened to, I forget his name, Harrison Bryant talk about fishing. And, uh, other hobbies. And then, uh, Cole, Cole Komet from, from Notre Dame talked about how good of a bowler he is. You know, you know, Cole Komet has bowled a 215. Wow. Yep. He says he's about a 170 something average. I learned all these facts. Not as good as me, but yeah. <laughs> impressive. Uh, uh, Cole Komet Nugget before we get in. I know people want this. Cole Komet's dad, uh, went to high school with Duke Tobin and they won a state championship together. What did, was he a tight end as well? Cole Komet's dad? Uh, I, 
I don't know the details of anything, any of that, other than I know that he knows he went to high school with them and they won the state championship together. Um, just fun fact there. But, so yes, 8.15, we listen to all of this, then finally the placard switchers are over to Joe Burrow, and I'm right there in front, so we're, we're right where we need to be. I only had one question. Only one question that I cared about. Only one question that matters. If you are selected number one overall by the Cincinnati Bengals, will you happily report? The answer? Yes. I'm not gonna not play. Yes. Yes, period. End. Yes. The end. Yes. Cause it's all that really matters. And honestly, it doesn't even matter if it's happily. Like, it, it doesn't. I liked how you, you couched it. You said, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> it had to start there. Although my guy next to me, we, yeah, we, you- we, we were talking, we were all talking about how it's the one thing that no one has ever asked. No one has ever been direct. No, it's always been this weird thing because it's this attempt to stir the pot. It's always better if it's trying to infer what is he trying to say. Well, no, enough of that. It was time to be very direct, very specific. The answer is either yes or no. And the answer was yes. But my guy next to me, we, we had been talking about how that needed to be the direct question. And then I was just going to do it immediately before Joe even stepped to the mic. Uh, and all of a sudden... He blurted one out, and I was like, "No, you're not going to steal the question from me because he, he he wasn't affiliated. I don't know. I don't even know who he, he was. Like some draft guy or whatever. Luckily, it was just some softball to warm Joe up about his growth. And then it was like, okay, yeah, yeah. enough growth. Let's get down to it. Credit Burrow. I mean, I, I thought he was fabulous in the spotlight. Yes, very, very comfortable. Um, I, I loved what you had in your piece too. We, we talked about it before you even wrote your piece that every guy, they climb up on the podium, they stand at the mic and they talk and he's looking around like, where can I get a chair? Yeah. He finds a chair <laughs> and he plops it down. He's like, all right, let, let's hold court. And, yeah. uh, it just shows, you know, that, that's just kind of the command he has, that presence he has. And, and he was, it, it, there's kind of an art to fielding those questions because it's, it's not a raise your hand. I mean, they're, they're coming from everywhere and he, it would have been easy because it wasn't just people in front of him. There were, there, uh, I was on his right side. And so I'm, I'm sure the TV people hated it because people asking questions off to the side, he's got his head turned to where the camera's pointing at him. But he did a good job of, you know, making sure it was almost like a Hollywood red carpet, like Joe over here, Joe over here. Yeah. Like people trying to get his attention <laughs> so they could ask a question, but he did, he, he handled himself really well. And it, it would have been enough. To say yes, I'm not going to not play. Yeah, and then even to after that be like, yeah, it'd be really special to go back to Ohio. Uh, I'd only be two hours and fifteen minutes from home. I could go home for dinner, which you and I know that's a lie. We 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 both yeah. made that drive to OU, and you no can one's... do that. You can do that. You will have a ticket. Yes, uh, I have a few to prove that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that you. I know that you can do it in two fifteen. But hey, if you're Joe Burrow, you're making plenty of money. That ticket's nothing. Right. So, so maybe that is why you said two fifteen because he plans on going 105 miles per hour on 32 the whole way. So, we should have corrected him right then, Joe. Sorry, it's actually two forty five. Good. So, that would and that would have been fine too. It it went so much further, and it was my favorite part was (laughs) 
then everyone who wanted this to be the narrative so badly still trying to make yes. that the case, whether it was questions about, well, you know, are you going to try to use leverage, you know? Uh, <laughs> and he's like, I, 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 first of all, I don't, here's how that got misconstrued. Like that, that was not what I was saying. I was saying I had leverage involved not having to participate in the combine because of what I'd done. It, it was never about the team or leveraging anything like that. Points that out. Then it's like someone says, well, what do you need to hear from the Bengals to alleviate your concerns about them? He's like, I'm not saying, I'm not, I wouldn't say there was concerns. There's not concerns. Like, he started there. There's not concerns. Like, you all keep wanting to do this. And you keep wanting to make this a thing. And he just kept slamming it down. And then finally, uh, you know, our colleague Ben Baby from ESPN asked about, you know, his thoughts on the perception. And that was really the money quote of being kind of like, this is ridiculous, right? Where he goes on about, look, that was the narrative that w- that you guys ran with. And that was never anything to do with me. And that's kind of a deflecting quote, and that, but that was dead on. That's exactly what happened because it was people made – they put words in his mouth essentially, mm-hmm. or, either by the way they phrased – their question to him, or by the way they interpreted what he said. And the, the, the one quote, too, where he's like, the only thing I ever said is I didn't want to be presumptuous that I was going to be the number one yes. pick. Maybe they'll fall in love with somebody else, he right. said. And I don't, I'm not going to be out here saying I want to go to the Bengals and they should take me because I don't know if it's going to be me. You know, I mean, and that's the whole thing about all of this. The Bengals haven't de- – I mean, we talked about this. Lord knows ad nauseum. The Bengals haven't declared themselves out there and said Joe Burrow's the guy. They could. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been like so, – so he's not going to do the same thing. But he said essentially over and over again, I, I want to show up wherever I get drafted and be the best teammate I can be, do whatever I can to help a team win. It would be my dream to go number one. And he even talked about if I go number one and I'm lucky – if I'm lucky enough to go number one – it was a question about A.J. Green – and I would love to have that guy be on my team. Like, the guy's literally talking about wanting to throw to A.J. Green. Right. Like, about it being a dream to go number one. You just, you can't be clearer. You can't take a narrative and address it more times. What did our number end up being? What did our number end up being? Because we had the run pat, the uh, Bengals growler bet on how many Bengals-related questions would be given to Joe Burrow you said seven. Yes. I said nine. And it was eight. It was and a it push. Was our, it was our push number. <laughs> it was our push number. I do believe we did have a number. I do believe we do have a growler bet winner on that, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. So we'll have to look into We will We will holler at you. If you had eight, we will go back through the data and, and catch up with you. You know, the one thing that, that ever, the, the one thing that people are still saying is that Joe didn't say, I want to play for the Bengals. And he, you can't say that. That, that, that. that can only come back to bite you if it doesn't end up. Where you end up somewhere else. And then they're like, oh, he wanted to play for the Bengals. He didn't want to come here. It, I just, I don't understand how it's still a thing after yesterday. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, even if, even if he didn't say it would be his dream to go number one, it would be cool to play at home. And would he happily report yes? And I'd love to throw to AJ Green and looking forward to talking ball with the Bengals who they met with. Well, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. They probably are just now, they probably broke that meeting. Uh, you know, it it doesn't even matter. So now, so so here, here's, here's the killer for me. I get the, I'm I'm writing this story. My, my story's up on the athletic. If you go read it now, I 
pr- pretty much anything, any angle, because the Bengals, the other side of this being the Bengals, which we'll get to in a second. I, I'm, so I'm in the bunker basically with everything that we'd heard and in, 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 in the Indiana, what are we, Indianapolis Convention Center. Center? Yes. Get back to my hotel. Like, big, big, deep exhale. Turn the TV on. PTI's on. <laughs> Number two story, Joe Burrow. Tony Kornheiser. No, he, this is, this is not over. No, clearly he's still angling for a trade. I was just stunned how anybody who was trying to speak intelligently on this could possibly listen to everything that was said and everything that went down there and say, this is not clearly over. That was just, I I guess I shouldn't be stunned anymore. Some people just want this to be a thing so badly, but I'm stunned. I was stunned. I was like, and then I look, and it's everywhere. Yeah. Clicks and ratings. You can't say it's over. <laughs> then they got nothing else to talk about. I know. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's really wild to see that still be the case. But, but look, here's what I'm going to say. I hadn't officially put the stamp on it. I officially am putting the stamp on it. It's over. Yeah. April 23rd, 2020, Joe Burrow, Bengals, end of discussion. Because not only did Joe Burrow say all those things, so you know there's no problems coming from his side. What the Bengals said, and it was a, a continuation of what they've said, but this was the next step. This was Duke Tobin saying, when asked about trading out of the pick, doubtful. Basically, no. Not trading. There's just no way. No one has enough ammo. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. No one has enough ammo. Yeah, because them. every time a question has come up, whether it was at the Senior Bowl or here, it's something that they don't want to answer. It's we're yeah. we're going to go through the process. We're just starting the process, and he easily could have said that we're just starting the process here. We need to have discuss, and he didn't. He he basically shot it down and said doubtful that we move out of that spot. Yeah, and look, we have a lot of conversations here hmm. with a lot of people. It's over. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's Joe Burrow. And it's over. Um, look, Duke, Duke and Zach, I mean, you just can't. <laughs> it's like they're just putting it out there. Like, it's just, it's effusive. The love. And, I mean, I, I get the feeling, I mean, they fell in love with him a long time ago. You know, I, I remember I remember being in London. And, and they were playing Auburn, I think, LSU was. Their one close game. Yeah. And being in the hotel bar there in, in, in outside of Wembley where the team was staying and, and you know, watching some of that game. Duke Tobin was there watching with him. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you just can't watch and not just be glued to it when you, yeah. when you see who that guy was. At that point in time, we didn't know anything about how it would end up, where they would be the guy. But, you, you know, you can just sense that. Like, how could you not? And... It's just too perfect. Everything about it has worked out. There, there has been, you know, there's, there's clearly a connection, um, that they hope to build, um, with this guy, um, over the course of these meetings. But, you know, they know that this is the direction that it's going and they're not really hiding it anymore. Um, at least if you pay any attention. And they made this decision before they ever met him. Let's like Zach said that yesterday. I just want to meet the guy. I want to talk mm-hmm. to him. That that happened today, and it, it's not like you know 
Baker Mayfield was kind of polarizing. Some of the some of these quarterbacks have that that arrogance, that that confidence that they can be polarizing and, and can maybe turn some teams off. You know that whatever happened in the, those eighteen minutes today that the team brass yeah. sat down with Joe Burrow, there's, I can't imagine anything happening there other than affirming what they're thinking already. Well, you you know it. I mean, enough people know. Joe Burrow, you know enough about who he is and what he did yeah. off the field. About, I mean, you have every single person that's ever come across him vouching that this dude, as a leader and and uh, his character and everything about what you want, is off the charts, mm. off the charts. And no team. I mean, Zach Taylor sat with us it, it, the, when the season ended. And said, oh, they still need that. They need more leadership. Mm. And to ha- to be able to get a guy with that, you just want to see that. And you want to, feel, but you don't need to see him. In, you see him in enough big situations. Like all, it's all affirmations before you ever need to talk to the guy. I mean, that's it's already there yeah. for you. So, so to to meet him is just is just you know, it's it's just okay. Well, there's that guy. Yeah, that he, we, he is who we thought he was. Yeah, the guy who who puts the chair down and handles it. Yeah, and who's just. As calm and cool as it can be in the face of whatever scrutiny it is, whether it be, um, you know, the national championship game, or whether it be the spotlights of everyone wanting to grill him at the combine, or whether that will be in Vegas when he gets drafted by the Bengals, or whether that will be opening day, whatever it is. Like, you know what you've got there. And he instills a belief in a team that needs a belief. And it just, it makes it all too easy. I would like to know. I was talking earlier about how how interesting it would be to be a, a fly in the wall on those those official eighteen minute meetings. Yeah, and you know, not to report on it, just to kind of see what goes on, and not necessarily with a burrow or a, a, a top tier guy like that, just anybody. But I would I would really like to know, and maybe maybe they'll let us know this. But he walks into that room. What's the first thing that's said? Is it just standard introductions? Or does somebody break the ice with a joke like, all right, we're here to convince you that we're not as bad as everybody says we are. Yeah. <laughs> or So you don't want to play for I mean, I would really like to know how it, it if it was formal or if there was an icebreaker. I uh, assume it's pretty like, as far as I know, as far as I've gathered about what that room looks like and who's in there, you know, you have Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, uh, Duke Tobin. Dan Pitcher. Dan Pitcher. Uh, Dan Pitcher also get has already done a 15-minute informal sit-down, mm-hmm. which every every position coach can do as well with your with those prospects. So so you have Dan Pitcher spent 15 minutes with them. Um, then you get in there. So those guys are there. You will have you will have Paul. You will have Katie, Katie. You will have Mike. Mike will be in there. Uh, you will have you know all the scouts. Uh, so you'll have Mike Potts and Steven Radicevich, and you'll get all the way down, you know, and all their Christians, all their scouts will all be in there. I know people are making scout jokes. There's, there's <laughs> like, there are, there are enough of them. Uh, but you know, so that's what that room looks like. And, and, and I think it's, it's just a conversation. Like both sides said the same thing on Tuesday. It was, we just want to talk ball. We want to talk mm-hmm. about football. We want to talk about, you know, Brian Callahan said they have play a, a, a bunch of cut-ups of what he's done and good and bad plays and to talk through them, talk through some maybe a play that broke down protection-wise and what he saw there and, and how he handles all that stuff and, and football. And then, and then how he, you know, they – it's part of their scheme stuff. And then want Joe to have questions for them and, and – uh 
it, and you then you get into all that stuff of that conversation about them as an organization selling themselves. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, there's a whole there's some knock on wood. Don't screw this up. Don't say anything dumb. You know, everyone's waiting right. for that. Um, but really, I mean, there is, it, it's just a basic selling yourself. And this is where I think Bengals fans can be at ease. And I've written this before. We've talked about this before. Maybe Zach Taylor's best trait is his ability to connect yeah. genuinely with everyone. He's just, he's really a master at that. That's his primary skill as a, as a, you know, coach and a teacher or whatever. You want, you're, you're really happy you have him in this situation because that's, that's part of his game. I mean, this is really his wheelhouse. It's what got him the job. It, it, it wasn't his resume. It was, he sold himself in the interview. Yeah. Be able to do that and be able to connect with quarterbacks. I mean, this is what he's here for. Yeah. Drafting Joe Burrow, creating a relationship with Joe Burrow and having that blossom into something special. This is what you bought. If you're the Bengals, you bought that guy and this guy together. This is the, this is connecting the full circle of what the post Marvin world looked like. It's this and it's here and it's here. No matter what you guys say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another element of this that I want to get to that is, that is, um, kind of interesting and very much came out of nowhere yesterday. Um, and that was, you know, a, a question that we all anticipated would come up and that was with Duke Tobin. We were on the side. We, we were, you know, you do, he does, they do like a 15 minute podium session, which anybody can come up to. And then there's a separate session for us, um, uh, with just, just people that came up from Cincinnati. So there, you know, some TV people and all the, the standard, uh, you know, local reporters. And, um, so we had, you get to do that with both Duke Tobin and with Zach Taylor. Well, we're there with Duke Tobin, and it was kind of wrapping up. It was getting towards the end, but we hadn't gotten to it. And then Ben Baby from ESPN asked the question that was, was very much as about thoughts on the perception that they, as an organization, were not trying to win or win Super Bowls. And what came next, um, well, it was Duke Tobin offering this opinion. There's been a, a lot of conversation about the, the narrative of no one you know, trying to win Super Bowl and not investing in What's it been like for you as an exec to kind of hear that in the last few weeks? Yeah. How accurate is all that been? The manufactured narrative, I, I, I love that. It, it, um, you know, I had a lot of thoughts on that. And then I went to Mass this past weekend and it was... Uh, <laughs> The uh, the gospel was Matthew, and it was turn your other, turn the other cheek, uh, love your neighbor, don't uh, wish ill will, pray for the people that want to want to harm you, and uh, so I would just tell a lot of the media folks I'm praying for them, but uh, <laughs> but I figured that was meant for me, and so uh, I, I'll save some of what I was going to say. But the narrative isn't isn't correct. It's not it's not built on fact. It was it was built on uh, opinion. I guess uh, is what it was built on, but the fact is, you know, we're, we're at the end of this CBA. We're trying to get a new CBA, uh, but over the course of this past CBA, we're a top 15, uh, top half of the league spending team on players. So that that's not at the bottom. We're uh, 13th in wins. We're top 10 in playoff appearances. So those aren't at the bottom. None of that is what we want to accomplish. But none of that says that we're the worst team in the league. And if we're not trying to win, let me tell you, there's a lot of teams having more success doing it than us. So Duke, Duke took us to church. And Duke's got stats. Duke's got stats. He's, he's saving those up for you. He's, he's lining. I mean, I, I, first of all, it was fantastic. I'm yeah. praying for you. There's a lot of media out there should know I'm praying for you. Duke's out here praying for you. Uh, I would, I would, I would have preferred. So 
in the big room with the podium, there's also the TVs, NFL Network, uh, Pro Football Talk, CBS, um, a few others. Florio and Pro Football Talk are in the row. I wanted Duke to stand on top of the podium. I'm looking at you, Florio. You. That's what I wanted. I wanted some sort of direct. Come get some. I wanted it to just be the most angry, antagonistic thing you ever seen. Duke held it down to just offering that, which I thought for him was very much peeling back the curtain of how mad this dude is about yes. what's been going on. It would have been awesome to see him do that. It would have been, that, <laughs> the picture would have been everywhere. Incredible. It would have been incredible. And he almost wanted, cause when he got to the podium, he was wearing a, a, a jacket vest and he like peels, I mean, he, st- he stood up there before and left it on and he like peels that off and it's like, oh, he's gonna go. He's down. He's ready for business. Took his hat and, off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tossed the hat in anger. I mean, how amazing would that be? You know what that would become? Like, if 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 they went on like and please just just please just for the sake of this story <laughs> bear with me if they went on for Joe Burrow and to win a Super Bowl and, and you build a statue of Duke Tobin that's what it would be it'd be him <laughs> on top of the podium pointing at Florio because here's the thing about this I think Bengals fans love that what we just heard want that yeah. they want the intensity they want that s- screw you from yeah. the Bengals towards everybody else of. Of, of what you heard and, and, and what we've, I mean, we've seen that from Bengals fans. Like in the response to the attacks on the organization is these fans have said, look, I can, I can rip on my brother, yep. but you can't is, has been what the entire feel. And it's, it's sort of organized the fan base a little bit. And if, if something, something like this, what you heard from Duke, if it would have been standing on the table, <laughs> I do think that, that creates a bit of a sense of pride. In the team, which Lord knows they so badly need fans and anybody to feel a sense of pride of supporting the Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming off that season, they're, they, they, it's been year after year after year. They're just jumping ship, and you've just got the hardcore ones left. I do think a lot want to come back. They want to see what Joe Burrow's going to do. Um, I, 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 you're, you're right. I wish that would have happened. So I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that it would have been, been so... That would have been the highlight of every combine I've ever been to. Yes. Uh, should be fair to know that Zach Taylor did pro football talk, and it was with Chris Sims. Ooh. Florio did not opt to do that interview. Yeah, he kind of did the car wash yesterday. He, he hopped around from set yes. to set. To set. Uh, I think Duke passed on uh, yeah. doing any of those. I think, you know, I, I, you just get the – It's it was apparent. Like, he was – steaming mad and i think there was a lot of wondering of what he was going to say when we got here mm-hmm. and and i think that was his point was i i chose to let that sermon speak to me and and hold and hold it back and not show up here and go off because clearly if that's where your mind frame was you were thinking about showing up here in indianapolis going off and announcing joe burrows who we're taking to piss the nfl off in the process probably yeah and you know? it's kind of surprising because you said that that was right at the end of that I mean, you, you almost, it almost felt like it was something he would have wanted to get off his chest early in that session, but, uh, yeah, it, yeah, I think if Ben hadn't have asked that, uh, in the, in the off the side section, session, maybe, maybe that would have come up at the podium. Yeah. In, in one regard or another. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, I, I thought that was a fairly interesting, um, development there. Which, by the way, bench press going on behind us right now. Not interested. Not. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll check, we'll in check participating out. or watching. No, no, I, I'm. I've never benched while people like yelled and barked at me. Does that? How many extra ones can you fire out if someone's barking at you, like and screaming at you to do more? I mean, I'm I'm positive that there's an effect, um, but it just feels. It takes me back when Justin Williams did squat fest. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite. One of my favorite stories that about you see turning their turning their is their squat max outs into some sort of early morning rave. That Justin was standing in the middle of, like, slurping up a smoothie <laughs> uh, for another day. I would, I, I could do a whole podcast w- about Squad Fest with Justin. I would love to do that if you're listening. Um, let's talk a little bit. So we've also talked with – obviously, we talked – there were other things besides Joe Burrow here, and we've sort of – we've covered that at this point. Um, the next step is free agency, and this is our first chance—not our first chance, but the first chance that we've really kind of gotten a little bit more of a specific feel for what this might look like. And I, I, I do continue to get the impression that we are going to see something that fans have been asking for—not, not you know, a first wave A players. But very specific, everybody on the same page, uh, calculated aggression after those B players. You know, the, the B players that are out there that can supplement you and specifically on defense. And, and guys, not just supplement, but possibly start. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and, and guys that other teams want. Yeah, no. It's not. Where they're going to have to pay for. Yes. And there is going to be a payout and a price, but you know who, so the part maybe a perfect example from last year was when they went after Shaq Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that's probably a, a couple waves back. You'd be, I'd say, even more aggression as far as I mean, Shaq Barrett. This that was probably a weekend. He still was unsigned, but you know, you pinpoint a guy that would really fit you, a guy that can have a big year, that but and be a starter or a sub package player, and really aggressively go after him. They did, then they backed off because they were worried about his shoulder or whatever. Um, I think we'll see that, and I think we'll see it on that, you know, fairly early in the session. And, I, you know, I get a sense that, that you that they're all they're all on board with it. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that, that everybody in the building is really on board with what that should look like and who that should be and that they'll be able to pull off what they want. And in, in- – we talked about this earlier. Possibly one guy from each of the three levels of the defense: a corner, linebacker, maybe a D tackle. Yeah, maybe an edge rusher, but more likely a D tackle. Yeah, with Billings, with Billings being out, you're looking to probably maybe replace that if you have to. Yeah, and linebacker, they obviously need help. Yeah, no doubt. And I and and so I mean, if you if they come out of free agency with that, let's say they don't even add anybody on offense. You know, they, maybe they had a maybe they had a guard competition. Brian Callahan sort of suggested that, uh, yeah, we need more competition in there, mm-hmm. and I think that would probably be that would be a second or third wave type guy uh, at, at probably at guard. Yeah, um, that would be in that mix and help you supplement or start compete with a John Miller, whatever. Um, but really, if you come out of there with somebody who's gonna most likely start or play a majority of the snaps at all three levels. I mean, Bengals fans will be dancing in the streets. That's so different 
from what we have seen. And maybe, and maybe trade makes some of that to happen too, um, which is also part of the equation. But, you know, that, I think, I, I hate to do this. <laughs> I do because I feel like you're only setting yourself up for the failure. But it's just, again, you read the tea leaves, you have enough conversations, you start to get the feeling that they're very serious about this. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes all the sense in the world. They, they have needs, they have money, and it's, it's a new beginning everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's not a new head coach, it's a second year head coach, but you're putting a new quarterback in there. It just, it feels like the right time to not rip up your original script, but to at least make significant changes on how you're going to approach this. And you do that. You put, you get two, three guys that are going to be impact guys, starters possibly on defense, and it just totally opens up your draft board at 33. It does. And, and that's a, um, that's a good, that's a good segue to, to what we're now looking at. And that is, well, what, okay, these guys are all here. And everybody's talking about, you know, that's getting a, getting a real feel. And everybody to a, you know, from Lou Anarumo on down the line that we've talked to here, it's, they are, he, Lou Anarumo said he's further ahead in being prepared for this draft than in any year that he's been a head coach. He just had, feels like they have that feel. He called this player acquisition season. It's totally, solely, only focused on that. And they're, they feel completely ready for all of it where being ahead with both these draft picks and prepared for all that and also obviously be ready for knowing exactly what they're trying to target in free agency i thought that was i mean specifically obviously compared to last year but i mean i thought that was yeah i mean but that was kind of a maybe a little bit of a a eyebrow raising thing to hear yeah i it couldn't have been worse than last year i mean they were yeah they no team has ever been less prepared for a season than last year um I don't know. I, 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 I had a mock and I had him taking a linebacker in the second round, but it's kind of a trick. It, it's, there's not a lot of those guys. You know, if, if there's a run on them in the, in the first round, three, four of those guys go, it is their biggest need, but then they're going to be, it's almost like you're reaching if, if you go a linebacker at that spot. That's why it would be so important to get one in free agency, get a couple other pieces and, and kind of open you up there. Um, I did, I was asking around, I was asking, we asked Lou about this today. I asked Zach about, or I'm sorry, I asked uh, Duke about it yesterday. Like if whatever the first linebacker you get, whether it's in free agency or the draft, however it plays out, what do you want? What's the most important trade? And they all three down guy. It's yeah. got to be a guy that's going to be on the field all three downs. And then it, it comes down to speed. Duke was talking about in today's NFL. And we talked about it all with the Quan Alexander thing last year that they didn't have fast linebackers last year. That's what this guy's got to have. He's going to be able to be out there all three downs. He's got to run sideline to sideline. And there's guys out there that can do that. Um, but it, it all depends on how it falls in the first round. I mean, how many of those guys go flying off the board in the first round? And to go back to the free agency element of this, that's why they really have to get a quality linebacker in free agency because you cannot put another rookie, a second-round rookie, next to Jermaine Pratt and think that you fixed anything. Yeah. I mean, there has to be somebody else who you really like and are really confident in that's going to be standing there next to Jermaine Pratt or whoever, or this number 33 guy, whoever wins that job, whatever it is. Because, you know, that's that's how you got here in the first place. Uh, you know, you just got to be aggressive in going and fixing it, whoever that is. Somebody that has played in this league and proven they can play in this league and is ready to do it. Um, 
we've gone through some of those names before. Uh, Joe Schober continues to be, to me, an obvious answer here. Um, if, if, if they could make that happen, there's a collection of a few others. But it, you know, that, oh, it, free agency opens them up. And really at 33, there's going to be so many options. I, 33 and 65, I would be, I'm not going to say stunned. I'd be kind of surprised if they don't get a receiver in one of those two spots with 65 making more sense because at 65, you have it, you have the, this draft and their situation hitting each other just right. The, this insanely deep receiver group, right? That's it. It's not the high end talent. It's not the AJs and the Julios. It's all of these quality second round, late first round guys. There's just a, a huge amount of them, right? Even early third. To me, the slide, the, the ability to, to, to get a guy who you had a higher grade, it comes at somebody with, you have a second round grade on or a 2A or 2B early second round grade on. And you get them at 65 because there's just so many of them. Or that, or you can get maybe somebody you have a 2C or a, or even a third round grade on, but who is the perfect fit for what you need. Speed. Over the top playmaking, which they have lacked so much. And, you know, who can step into a way bigger role next or be, come in, play early, you know, and, but not be forced to do it because you have, you'll have AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and, and John Ross and Auden Tate. And then you, if you add, I mean, at 33, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Uh, T Higgins. Higgins. You know, and they would go to 65 and go later. Pittman from USC. You get down to all these guys. Whatever that is, that drop off, before that drop off comes of the top 10 to 12 to 15 guys, whatever that is for you. You add one of those, and, and, and then let's start talking about what this offense looks like. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, LaVisca Chenault, Jonah Williams, CJ Uzama and, and, uh, Drew Sample, you know, you feel better about your offensive line potentially, but whatever you, maybe you add something there is a, a piece inside. You know, you're going to have Fred Johnson competing with Bobby Hart. You think Fred Johnson potentially can beat out Bobby Hart and now Bobby Hart's your swing tackle, which is what he should be. Trey Hopkins was so good his first year as a starting center that, that he's going to make a jump. You've got to figure Michael Jordan's going to make a jump. But Brian Callahan said, we're, quote, we're counting on yes. that. Um, yeah, guys that in their second year can start to come together. You know, suddenly you, you feel it just seems to fit them so well. Because let's be honest, this is probably the last we're going to see of John Ross this year if he makes it to this year with this team. Maybe they trade him. Um, you know. And AJ Green is getting older. Who knows what's going to happen with him? If they have to play him on the franchise tag, that's an unknown. You know, it seems for to build for the future to have that either great number two or potentially need for a number one. They love to go in one year early on those types of things. Mm-hmm. This would be the time and the spot to do it. All coming off of a year where they were nowhere near as dynamic as they needed to be uh, in in the past game and at that position. And, and like you said, that the, the receiver group is so deep. So like you, you like it, you like where that hits at 65, the yeah. first pick of the third round. But what if, what if there's three of those guys that they really like that slipped out of the second to the third? 
then you've got that option of what they like to do, trading back in the third round. Maybe go back five spots and figure all three receivers aren't going to be, and then you get another another later third round or another another mid round pick. Um, it 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 just it does it opens up everything. I I I think that that's the spot too. I I don't. Well, we're going to do this as run pass or boot. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I I can't see they're they're so bad on defense. Even if they load up these guys, um, in free agency and get defensive guys, I, I still think it would be hard to go offense offense in this draft. And you know they're going offense, they're going Joe Burrow first. Um, but as we talked before, that thirty three is it's really wide open if you if you do start adding pieces in free agency on defense. That's the yeah, and that's that's the thing here. It's. If they get what they want in free agency, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, then then you feel at ease with going offense, offense, offense in the with your first three picks. And plus, we talk about adding, dropping back. You know, they've dropped back in the second round three years in a row and, and added mid round picks. If, you know, you would be. <laughs> it, it would be zero surprise to see them do that again if they're sitting there at 33 and there's four guys that they want and they know they could add an extra third rounder and 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 do something with that or whatever. I mean, it, it would be that would be something. The uh, the offense, offense, offense thing intrigued me. I was just going back through the past drafts and uh, well, this is a bad comparison, but the last time they went offense, offense, offense was 2015. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, how'd that turn out? Yeah, with uh, said Jake Fisher and Tyler Croft. That so. it, that by the way, Jay would be bad. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would be very very bad. Let's run passer boot it. Run passer boot. Bengals take a wide receiver in round two, three, or day three. Yeah, what I said before. I I think it's I think it's round three. I think that that fits better. Um, I, I still think. It's it's hard to go offense offense as, as bad as the defense is, and I I don't think they can afford to wait till day three. Um, although in my mock I, I had them waiting till day three uh, and taking Pittman from USC in the fourth round, um, but I'll I will run with uh, round three. I'll pass on round no I'll pass on fourth or later, and then I'll I'll boot second round. I just I don't I don't see that happening. I'm not gonna boot round two just yet. I, I'm with you, but I, I think depend, I think that they could clear themselves for that. And this, if one, one of these receivers that's real is sitting there and you just drafted Joe Burrow, hell, if Jefferson is sitting there, the duty, you know, your, your, your main connection at LSU, although I don't necessarily like that as much for them. He played so much in the slot. Tyler Boydish in that way. I'm looking for the real dynamic speed deep threat guy, um, more so than, not that Jefferson isn't, but, but the idea of adding that with Joe Burr, I just, I mean, it just feels tempting. I don't think it'll happen, but it feels tempting. So I'm not, I'm running with three. I'm, I'm gonna pass on two and I'm gonna, I'm gonna boot four later. I think one of those two picks that happens. Just out of curiosity, I, I was looking at last year's second round picks. Would you be happy with any of these guys? Debo Samuel, yeah. AJ Brown, yeah. Miko Hardman, yeah. DK Metcalf, yeah. Um, and then Paris Campbell and Andy Isabella weren't quite as strong, but you you can get quality. They they fall out. You see it happen all the time. They those those guys that 
maybe you think her late first rounders fall to the second round, mm-hmm. but I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to stick with what my, with what I my picks. Yeah, and again, the need for this team to add draft picks plays into this as well, yes. or maybe they move up or down or add a add a two or a three somehow, depending on how trades uh, work out, how they position themselves, and and then and then that becomes much more viable uh, as well. That's a brief synopsis of what's been going on down here. Just a little bit of stuff. Just a little bit of stuff to go through. Busy week. Busy, busy week. Um, Jay and I both have stories up uh, on on the site, of course. Uh, my story inside everything that was said uh, and seen and heard around Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals and Joe Burrow going public with their marriage and putting the stamp on it. It's over. He's the guy. We're here. Print the shirts, as they say, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, um, of course, Jay, you're working on a linebacker story, but there was lots mm-hmm. of other other stuff said. Talk about Andy Dalton, talking about A.J. Green, a lot of stuff uh, that we, we weren't even able to touch on here also up. So make sure you check that out. Maybe Cincy shirts could do a, just a made-up shirt. Put Duke standing on the yes. standing on top of the, the podium, pointing a finger. <laughs> I don't know what the slogan would be, but if, if only F is for Florio. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no doubt about that. All right, well, uh, it's been good to to be here, uh, rocking Radio Row in Indianapolis. Hope everybody uh, has enjoyed it. We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. Next week we'll be back uh, on Tuesday. More reaction of everything that went down here and uh, as we continue to, to step forward towards free agency right around the corner. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening to hear that podcast ground. Have a good one, everybody.